welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by a free thinker. What's up, Sarah? I've often been described as a free thinker. I'm going to guess this is a Gabe Kapler reference, but I don't <laughs> quite know. Sorry, um, I'm a little tardy with this one because we were off last week. This would be a Aaron Rodgers. Oh, Jesus uh, Christ. <laughs> oh, man. We were off a week, and that feels yeah. like ages ago. It, it um, does. Oh, my Lord. Well, I do like to think I'm a free thinker. If you would like to hear my thoughts and hear them for free, you can go to Twitter, at Sarah Siders. If you want to give me money through Twitter, I hear that's a thing. Hit me up. We'll find out how to make that work. Uh, you can also find the show at Potadelphia. There you go. And it's... Uh, probably more reliable advice from a podcaster than you may get anywhere else. I think definitely the most reliable podcast that features a host that went, went, once went for Halloween as Man Without Socks. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a long walk for a good joke that I fucked up. And I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. And there's only like true. a few. I, like I wonder like what percent of the population. <laughs> <laughs> understands the Joe Gorelli man without socks Halloween <laughs> costume reference from news radio. Uh, it's got to be less than one one hundredth of a percent, I would imagine. We know our audience, but we know our audience. Shit, it's like five for five in our circle. So if you don't know what we're talking about, you need to. I think it's on um, like Tubi or like Pluto or something right now. You can get all of. Uh, News radio and check it out and watch I, uh, <laughs> watch Joe Rogan when he was like not an insane person, <laughs> or at least it was funny and no one considered him <laughs> or intelligent. It was still like repressed crazy. It was like <laughs> I'm just gonna. <laughs> I might have to watch some news radio tonight. I might have to watch some news radio tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And unlike a good neighbor, Gene is not here, so. Um, We'll see. Uh, we'll see if he comes knock knocking on the door soon. Uh, but until then, we have stuff to talk about. And are the Philadelphia Eagles the best rushing team in the NFL? They're effective when they do it. They're effective when they do it. Maybe they just don't waste energy or haven't been wasting energy attempting to run the ball. But goddamn, when they do it, does it work? Yeah, it's kind of like to, <laughs> when I think about this team, it's like I, I think that they have an idea of what they want to be. Oh, hey, Gene. Hi. How you doing, brother? I'm good. We're just talking it, about the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Gene, you're oh, the glue okay. that holds the show things together. Or bad things about the, let me turn my light on so that everybody can see me. There I am. <laughs> Gene just like breezes in like it's senior year. <laughs> hey man. So so all right. Let's look. Let me let me try to let me try to. Uh, you can find Gene on Twitter at producer Gene. Uh, right there at the bottom. Yeah, there you go. Uh, like I so I have this vision of myself. Right. Like I want to play the guitar like a fucking virtuoso. Like I want to be able to just like shred on a guitar. Right. So I'm, but I'm not going to go play a concert uh, where I play the guitar because I can't. I'm just not good at it. 
but I'm good at other things, so I do that instead. Right? The Eagles want to be this aerial circus, right? I think Jeffrey Lurie wants them to be uh, the greatest show on grass, uh, you know, and he wants Sirianni to be this like imaginative, creative, like passing guy. And sorry, that's just not your identity. And we talked about it before the season started. It's like, where is your strength? It's in the trenches. That's the only place where you have legitimate, bona fide, proven talent is in the trenches. And, you know, lo and behold, they're winning games now, like sort of in spite of what they actually want to do. That's the way I feel. No, I I think you're right. And I think pointing out Jeffrey Lurie is something I had never thought about. You know, it's it's come up on this show a lot that our complaints with the Eagles have been the same complaints since Andy Reid, you know, and going like, why won't they run the ball? Why won't they do it? Why won't they take, you know, what's in front of them? And especially mm-hmm. now when they, they're showing, you know, they're showing a skill for it, showing that it's an effective tool of theirs. Why don't you use it? Unless... And Dave, I think you're right with that that reference to the greatest show on turf because that's right shortly after the time Lori started owning the team, you know, um, with um, Dick Vermeil like the coach who got away or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it, I do really wonder if that like imprinted on him, and that's the reason we're having the problem to this day. What does Seriani have to prove? It's his. It's his, you know, rookie year. It's his freshman year. A win is a win is a win. Take it. You know, why why be picky? If you have something and the team is showing you something, then then do it. So, yeah, I'm I'm per, as perplexed as you are, Dave. And it was it was when you put it out there in our sports chat, like, is this the best rushing team in football? I laughed, and then I sort of thought about it, and I'm like, maybe not the best, but they have a hell of a lot of talent they're really effective at it yeah so right now with the expanded playoffs this year uh the carolina panthers currently hold the seventh seed position and atlanta five and five. going into the week at five and five at five and five so you know our are the playoffs out of the question? So one, are the playoffs out of the question? Two, no. should we have beaten the San Francisco 49ers? Three, should we have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs? Should we have a home win on our ledger? And should the Eagles be seriously considering playoffs? And I also want to say that this show, this show has never disparaged Nick Sirianni. We have never said he's a horrible coach. He should be fired after this year. And when you listen to the talk around this town, it's so flip-floppity. It's like insane. It's you go you you two weeks ago we're talking about is this is this guy competent? He's gonna is should he be fired? I mean, sure, we made fun of the flower stuff, but we were always kind of like, well, it's his first year, he's feeling it out, yada yada, but whatever. And now we're now the city is talking about playoffs. 
and it's one week. So that's how fast stuff can change, first off. And second off, you know, don't be so finicky. I mean, like one one game shouldn't change your whole perspective of the team. But we have seen this dynamic. Now, I also have a question of, does this sync up with uh, Miles Sanders injury? Like we didn't want to do this. When Miles Sanders was healthy, but after his injury, there was seems to be a, like a um, a philosophy shift more towards this running game. I think it more lines up with maybe a shift in the way that they started to do game preparation. From what I understand, from what I've sort of picked up from um, what was leading into the Detroit game, is somebody in that coaching room, whether it was the offensive coordinator or Sirianni him, himself, or somebody else on the staff, maybe it was the running running back coach, noted that Detroit was going to give up chunk yards against the run and that if they were going to be successful against Detroit, they would have the easiest chance by running the ball. And I think not I don't think that they even expected themselves to do it as well as they did um, against Detroit. And they certainly didn't think they could do it as well with the personnel they were bringing out. They were bringing out Jordan Howard, who was coming off of the, 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 the practice squad, Boston Scott, who was uh, a miss, a man missing in action the entire season leading up, just ask my fantasy team. And, you know, they, they, they weren't sure what they really had. They had been going with Gainwell and, and Miles Sanders, who were both the pedigree drafts choices. And they were, running them more like a, you know, the, the screen game was the run game. And when you sort of took that off the table when Miles Sanders got hurt, maybe that's the correlation is that, you know, you didn't have that tool necessarily in the box. And with Jordan Howard, your best way to use him is to put him between the tackles. I think that you you did a couple of things there. You, you proved to your running backs that you're willing to use them. Um, you proved to your offensive linemen that not only can they effectively run block, but that they can take over a game and they can gas the other defense. Um, it, it, you basically sh- showed these other teams the exact same thing that had been beating the Eagles all along. Well, why don't we use that to beat other teams? Because that's where the Eagles were really getting beat was against the run. And it's still where the Eagles really are not the strongest, which is frustrating because Eagles defenses in, in the past have always been if nothing else, good run-stopping defenses. It's really, really I feel like it's the um, underneath to moderate length pass that's absolutely killing the Eagles. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I mean been... early in the season they were getting just absolutely demolished in games on the ground. They they got crushed in that on the ground in that first half against Atlanta. They had a lot of trouble against San Francisco with the run. So they they they, they yeah. I guess the my main point is, I think. When you somehow that coaching staff, for a lot of reasons, had to figure out how to game plan. And I think that that's really what they are learning here in the middle of the season. And what we're going to find is that the rest of the way, I know that the other side, the other opponents are looking across at us being like, that Eagles game's a very winnable game. Washington, New York, the Jets. But there is no reason that we can't look at every single game left on the schedule and be like, that's a winnable game. Except for Dallas. Dallas is the very last game of the season, and they may be locked up. Uh, that's a good point. Well, there's only one team that gets a bye, though. So, th- you know, I don't know. Right. 
but if, if let's let you know, I, I would I would take me personally would take if we if it came down for our playoff lives having to beat Dallas the last game of the season. Give you me would that take game. That. Yeah, that's your fantasy, Gene. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Give me that game. I'll take it. I want it. I mean, okay. So so the remaining games are Saints, Giants, Jets, Washington, Giants, Washington, Cowboys. Right. You think they can and, run the table? You think they can run the table? Quarterback. I, I, I know it's a winnable game. Do you think they can run the table? I think they absolutely there's no reason why they can't run the game. Run the table. Six of seven. Yeah, and I think I, I think one of those games is gonna I think they're gonna beat Dallas. I think they lose one of those games to Washington. Come on, bro. Well, it, the the question is what happens next. And a, a recurring theme throughout this season has been I don't know what to make of this Eagles team. You know, and, and maybe that's why we're not doing the talk radio highs and you know fire Sirianni playoffs baby that sort of thing right, is, which is because it's been relatively boring the last few weeks it, <laughs> our takes have not been hot we compensate in other cool ways takes. we cool we, we room temperature takes and the room temperature take is the eagles are not atrocious i'm not certain they're actually good they're good enough to hang around they're good enough to make the the back part of the schedule entertaining but i have no yeah i have no confidence they're gonna like make it really entertaining but the next couple weeks should be fun at least you know the eagles will get us to at least the week before christmas entertained and involved i like cool takes because you can eat them like right away and a lot (laughs) you can eat them fast they're very much like you know let but here's the thing: if you look you at the NFL the as a whole, mouth burn or anything, the, the, who are, who is a really good team in the NFL? Who's a great team in the NFL that you feel like I don't want to see them in the playoffs? Is there any team in the NFC that you're like I don't want to see that squad? Sure, I mean Tampa Bay. Tampa uh, Bay just got whooped okay. by a very bad Dallas okay. Washington team. Tampa. So you're talking. So Tampa Bay, Green Bay, Arizona. You think Eagles can beat any one of the and and the Chargers? You think the Eagles could beat any one of those teams in a playoff game? They almost beat the Chargers. When the Eagles almost beat the Chargers like two weeks ago. I'm sorry, not Chargers. I'm sorry, Rams. I got my LA teams mixed up. Oh, I was like, what, again, what is he talking about? The Rams. The Rams have lost to bad teams. Yes. Okay. They lose. Yeah. Everyone loses. Like you know. Right. No. But that's what I'm saying is I don't think there's anybody that's that has has okay. such a strong I think we're getting, armor that right. I think we're getting out of control up. now. I think we're kind of get like oh. <laughs> the takes are getting a little hotter now. <laughs> <laughs> Like, come on, let's stay in our lane, right? We're... But by this, in the same way, there aren't that many really terrible teams. Jacksonville is really terrible. I think Washington is really terrible. The Jets are really terrible. Well, to to take to take a page out of your book, Gene, Washington football team just beat Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah. So does that mean Tampa Bay is bad or Washington's good? You know what I mean? It like means any that given everybody, Sunday, any given Sunday, somebody can get beaten. But that's so, why uh, I like the NFL. 
it's also very hard to gamble on. <laughs> yeah. So, so the Eagles are four and six, right? We're well on our way to covering the over, which is kind of like where we started this this journey. This is where we started this journey, right? Like we think the Eagles are better than a six win a six win team because we have some strengths. And that's kind of still where we're at. The thing is, it's just like, you know, maybe a bad record is going to get you in. And I think a playoff win would like a playoff, a playoff appearance would be like, it's just a, you know, a nice little feather. And also informative, you know, this, this season um, is the, the best report card we're going to get on Jalen hurts going forward. It's how much of, how much of faith do we want to put in this guy? A decision doesn't necessarily have to be made at, at the end of the season, but we, a plan has to start to come through. And if he, if we get to the playoffs, you know, barely a winning team or just, you know, the right seven and 10 team, I guess, um, that makes right. the playoffs and Hertz looks really good in the playoffs and has had a good season. That, that tells me a lot. So, and if, as much as I joke about not knowing who this Eagles team is, the, the back end of the season will say a lot. A playoff appearance and how they perform in it will say a lot. And I think you're right, Dave. I think we said in the offseason, well, there's enough on the Eagles to get them above six wins or, or whatever the case may be. Or... You know, to not take the under. Maybe we didn't take the over, but we didn't go like, oh, they're only a five-win team or whatever. So I I think that would be a pretty successful season. If they sneak into the playoffs and were pretty much the team we thought they were, and even better if when we ever we exit the playoffs, it's very clear needs of going, all right, we need to do X, Y, and Z in the offseason, and next season we might be legitimately good, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I, look, there's going to be, look, there's there's games down the stretch that you look at now and you're going to go, okay, they're winnable. We've got two against Giants, two against Washington, got Jets, blah, blah, blah. And there's going to be games in there where you're absolutely going to be pulling your hair out because this is the point of the season where it's like, oh, oh, okay, we could, th- this could work. We could do this thing here. And then you're going to pull your hair out because, I mean, they're still the Eagles at this point, right? Like they're not. They're not ready to take that next step. And it drives you nuts, but it's like you're going to have to deal with it. And that's kind of those are the breaks from being uh, when you are that progressing type of football team. It's like, you know, okay, you you can't just say, like, at this point now, the season, you can't just be like, forget the Eagles. I get my Sundays back. I'm going to, you know, rake leaves and, and, and make apple cider and shit like that. Like, no, you still have to watch the Eagles. You still need to be locked in because. You know they can make they can make some noise. They could do some damage. They could win some games in a row here. But the downside of that is they're going to lose games where you think they should win. But here, here's the other. I guess the other question is: Are you comfortable if they commit to this sort of Eagles 21 2.0, this sort of running attack grind people offense? Well, are you? Comfortable why would I not be comfortable? If they keep that up and they still maybe miss the playoffs or are you going to be more frustrated if they just they they go back to hit like hammering the the you know Miles Sanders come back and they go back to throwing the ball fifty times a game? Well, they can't go back. Like that's just not going to work. I mean, the fan 
Yes, I want them to keep running the ball. It's the kind of football I actually like to watch. Um, I think it's fun to watch, you know, you just plow seven, six, eight yards. They know what you're doing. They still can't stop you. I, I love that. You know, don't get me wrong. The the uh, the Devontae Smith circus catch for the touchdown uh, on Sunday was just, I mean, just incredible. The guy is is the real deal. They finally hit on a receiver. Um, but if, you know, our, our offensive line keeps playing like this, uh, and you got, you know, you got the bigger, stronger, uglier dudes up front, uh, hell just let them push. Uh, I love it. I love it. I think, you know, it, that's the kind of, that's the kind of team that I think Philly resonates with, um, at least from an offensive standpoint, there's a lot to be desired on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, I think that's where you're going to probably be a little bit more frustrated moving forward. But, hey, man, I'm all systems go. I'm not going to complain about running the football. I, and I, I, It makes me wonder if they had cut ties on the Wentz experiment earlier last season and been more committed to, we're just going to do the thing we need to do to win. Uh, yeah. You know, that's, yeah. That's there what football's all about, baby. Were, you think Belichick's like, I need to win in a certain particular kind of way that fits my persona? No, he doesn't give a shit about that. It's like, just win, baby. And and I think Job here is ally. Jalen does well in a run first offense. He cannot, he's not the guy. Like, he's not the guy. He's not like a top five quarterback that's going to go out there and sling you to a win. It's just not going to happen. But he offers a lot of wrinkles and he flashes uh, some brilliance from time to time that can keep a defense off balance enough, like enough, right? Like if you're a run based team, you need to be able to throw it enough. And I think, you know, with, with Hertz and, and Smith and, and Goddard and, you know, some of these pieces come Watkins, there's enough there to say, okay, but you don't, they're not, they're not the type of team that's like, okay, we're pass first and then we run well enough to keep right. the passing open. No, that's not this team right now. Yeah, but it's like you just said there, Dave, it's the inverse uh, of what the Eagles had always been, where they were pass first, second, and third. And we're begging them just run enough to keep them honest. Why don't you do that? Like, how many times, how many games have ended in so much frustration of like, you can't even fake the run. You don't run enough to fake the run. And um, as Joe pointed out, you know, Hertz is doing well in the, the run first because he's good enough to keep them honest. You know, we have, you know, with Devontae uh, Smith, we have a, a connection there that would be like, all right, you know, you're going – you know, bring the whole house to stop the run while we're just going to do an easy, you know, pass for 20 yards because we have that tool too. You know, might not be our right. best one, but they have it. And I was thinking when you were talking about how much you love the running game, Dave, how many happy and rare memories I have of the Eagles just having a dominant running game. And I think of Deuce Staley most often because he was just sort of like, Oh, we passed the deuce. Deuce, you know, has a couple yards. Why don't we run deuce more? And then, like, the one game we do, it, like, it tends to be around the holidays. I associate it with, like, family parties and just 
it's so much fun when, like you said, Dave, it's like you can't stop us. You know, every every third down's a, a short yarded situation. If you even get there and then we had enough talent to go, oh, you think you can stop us now? Boom, 20-yard touchdown reception. And it's it's just a party. So right. I think Hertz is if the Eagles were to commit to the run and have success that they're having now with it, I think Hertz is more than enough to be the man for the job, you know? Yeah, and I just think like if you're if they're not a, a good enough pass, like because they if, when you start a drive or you start a set of downs with an incomplete, I don't know. It just doesn't go well for the Eagles at that point. When well, they start with a the one other, and they the get thing. something, it works out a little better. What's that, Gene? The other thing is, I think that there is something to be said for when you subtract some of the lack of intangibles that Wentz brought into the table. Uh, Wentz, we constantly talked every week about his tendency to go into hero ball. Um, you know, I don't, I, I see a different type of command when when you see sort of uh hurts take over a game you don't see him suddenly go into this sort of i'm the only solution to this problem if i i I will force this ball where i need to force it i will hold on to this ball longer than i need to because i don't trust anybody else to do this but me Uh, i don't trust the coach i don't trust the other players i'm the only one that can find that play, that improvisation that's going to make this work. And how many times do they result in the, you know, he was good for what, two fumbles a game, maybe two more picks. Mm-hmm. How many games did he cost us just last year? How many mm-hmm. games is he costing Indianapolis doing the same nonsense? There is something to be said for having a guy like Hertz who uh, is not prone to so many self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, He, he does, if he doesn't necessarily have all of the tools physically, he does seem to have some of the intangibles, at least when it comes to the leadership department and the ability to play within his own skill set. Yeah, I think now we're moving into evaluation time because these are games that, like, you know, you're not playing. You're not playing Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, like all back to back to back. Uh, you're moving into a, like an evaluate an evaluatable area of the schedule where it's like, okay, these are teams that you should win, like you should beat, you should be very competitive against. Let's see how the coach does in these games. Did nice job in Denver. Got to give credit where credit's due. All the haters got to come out now and say he did a nice job on Sunday because they had a nice game plan. Everyone seemed prepared. Um, you know, not much to complain about in that game. Gannon defense did a nice job. Um, so now we're moving into that area of the schedule where it's like, okay, now let's see, now let's see, you know, talk to me in like a month and we'll kind of be able to say, all right, is, is, you know, hurts the guy moving forward, wet Sirianni, like, what are we doing here? Who we want to, who do we want to bring back for 2022? You know? So I think that's, that's where we're at with the Eagles. Y'all want to talk some hockey now? Still yes. one one, Sarah. Right now, the, uh, the still one one. Second intermission. Second okay. Intermission. Hall of Fame night. Flyers Hall of Fame. Yes, indeed. Where we yes, actually indeed. induct uh, players worthy of a uh, team's Hall of Fame. 
We do. The Flyers have been really stingy. Uh, a little stingier than the Phillies. We'll say much stingier well, than the Phillies. Every year, right? There are years where they don't. They just don't have somebody, so they don't do it. Oh yeah, this is the first time they've done it since I think 2016. Think. That's appropriate. Yeah, uh, t- maybe not 2016 because it feels like Lindros was more recent than that. But oh, that was a number retirement. That was not a- so. Yeah, no, their own um, Hall of Fame. I think it's been since 2016. And yeah, no, they they dole it out slowly, and you know, Tockett got in there, so there is still that. 80s generation of players that played into the 90s, even the early 2000s, you know, they're going to be coming up soon. And Homer finally getting inducted. I think, I think a fairly reliable person said that he was sort of the person who kept himself out of the Flyers Hall of Fame for years. Oh, really? Any, yeah, anytime it would come up, he would sort of just say, nah, let's not do that. But, um, who, yes. who from that 2000 era, like that 2000 a cup against the, um, it was 2000, or what was it, 98? When was the cup against Detroit? 97. 97. Jeez. For, I need a time machine to figure out where I'm supposed to be. Um, who from that sort of era is still missing from that sort of thing? You know, I think LeClaire and Lindros are both in. Is Hexel Desjardins is in? in? Is, there, is there an Eric Desjardins movement? Is there a Rod Brindamore movement? Both of them are in. Both of them are in. Yeah. So when I was saying the, um, no, Renberg is not. And maybe they can do an honorary Legion of Doom one, but Renberg, he he wouldn't Uh, make it on his own. Um, Keith Primo, um, Maybe, but then we're getting a little bit later. Yeah, I said in the eighties. Well, no, he, no, no, he sort wasn't. Of did carry into like if, that next generation. If this were the Phillies, they would induct uh, Claude Giroux while he was playing. <laughs> I, they certainly would. Yeah, no, like Trent in the Platt of the would be up period, there. They would just stop at a face off and <laughs> induct him. Yep. So, um, Homer Tockett. You know, Tockett's been a long time coming. You know, it was. Gene, when he started challenging me on the 90s thing, I'm like, you know what? They have inducted people from the 90s. I guess they just hadn't got around to talk it for some reason. Um, maybe because of all the success he had elsewhere, too. But that's neither here nor there. They're both really worthy candidates for the Flyers Hall of Fame. Inducted tonight before the game against the Flames. Uh, like Dave said, 1-1 going into the third. Since we last talked, the Flyers have been active and pretty good. Yeah. You know, the the tough part is the division. Yeah. I think Hextall said it before this. No, Hextall, Jesus Christ. Hartnell uh, said it before the season that the Flyers are in the toughest division in, in the league. And I'm like, well, maybe not the toughest, but probably the most competitive. I'm like, no, but I think this is the toughest. I really think there are... At least seven good teams in this this division, and freaking Columbus gets so good. Well, they've been bad for a long time. They've been collecting a lot of really good players. You know, they have um, Jack Hughes. They have Nico Heeshear. Um, they picked up um, not Noah Hannafin. He's playing tonight. He was traded for Dougie Hamilton. They picked up Dougie Hamilton in the off season. Um, so yeah, the Devils. A man named Dougie. Yep, and that's his given name. It's not Douglas that they call Dougie. It's, he is 
Dougie Hamilton. He was given Dougie. I swear I looked at these standings the other day and we were ahead of the Capitals. And now we're behind the Capitals and the Devils. I feel like every time I look at them, they, it's like, you know, it's like word scramble, you know, like the snow globe's been shaken every time I look at the standings. <laughs> I, I, did, I I made a resolution not to look until the first of Yeah, January. I know. I look. I always look when we talk. Dude, you have to check by American Thanksgiving. That's coming up next week. That is like the, the soothsayer of a hockey season that when American Thanksgiving hits, like we if you're can in a know. Position, you're probably it's good. It's just Thanksgiving. No, there's a Canadian Thanksgiving that falls on Columbus Day. Yeah, but it's just Thanksgiving. The, like, we are the Thanksgiving. I Actually, I think Canadians did it first. I really don't know. I read that somewhere, but then I read some... It what doesn't matter. I don't the care. whole, like, uh, Indians, the Pilgrims, the Native Americans, and the Pilgrims sharing the Thanksgiving dinner. Is that all farce? Is that not, did that not actually happen? Um, well, I think a lot of it's exaggerated, but I do believe like it happened. they ate on Plymouth Rock with a turkey? I, I, I They did. They did. <laughs> um, it's got to be American. I didn't land on Plymouth Rock. <laughs> I forget the rest of that quote. Probably best <laughs> not. Uh, to bring up Malcolm X, I believe. Right. Keep going. Like, I'm going to look up some Thanksgiving facts. All right. Tell us a lot about Miles Standish. But talking about the standings, there we go. Hey, nice um, the, the Flyers are hanging out at um, uh, 0.615 um, winning percentage. And they've kind of been right in that low to mid sixes for a while. And that will ping pong them anywhere from like second in the division to like seventh. Um, they tend to be behind, like, you know, in games played. But I kind of think we're going to be looking at the Flyers' fate for a while. And until things start to gel, until, you know, Kevin Hayes returns to form, his first goal tonight, and he scored it and pointed up to heaven. Uh, and tribute to his late brother, um, first goal in the NHL since his brother passed away, first goals. Uh for the Flyers this season. So um, that was a very special moment, a great moment. But I think we're looking at the where this Flyers team is kind of going to be for a while. It's The goal scoring has dried up. Um, we have a couple of streaky goal scorers in um, Atkinson and JVR. They will start scoring again. Konechny is a streaky goal scorer as well. He'll start scoring. They'll they'll come back. But the nice thing to see is the team defense, again, much, much better than last season. Goaltending, far better. Far better than last season. And I think it's just going to be a bit of a slog. And hopefully, and I still believe that they will, but hopefully the... Flyers will gain just a little bit of ground, just a little bit of ground, just a little bit of ground, so that when we're having this conversation in, you know, February or March, maybe it's okay. The Flyers are sitting in third. You know, maybe they go from third to second wild card back into third, but we're not talking about. Someone had posted on Twitter the other day that was like, you know, if the Islanders and the um, Penguins both win, the Flyers will be tied for last. 
And I said, well, yeah, but they'd also, in the division, the Flyers be tied for last in the division. I'm like, yeah, but they'd also be a five-way tie for fourth. You know, that's how tight this division is. That's how good this division is. And that's the scary thing. It's not the, the, the Flyers' level of play, which can be better. It should be better. If we want to do anything, it needs to be better. But this division is merciless. This division is tough. So it's it's going to take a bit. A bit. Uh, as Tim said, this division is fucking brutal because Tim always goes for that effort. You know, you can't keep him clean. But it's true. This division is fucking brutal. And, you know, I hope that it's going to be enough of a meat grinder to keep everybody well minced. I don't know where I was going with that. Enough of a meat grinder to keep everybody sort of nested together in the middle. Um, but you have a team like the Penguins, you have a team like the Islanders who are sitting towards the bottom of the division, and there's no reason to believe that they're not going to make their way back up towards the I'm top. sorry, did you say well minced? Yeah, I don't know. What the hell? It's like something's been through the meat grinder, and then I need a next thing, so it's been well minced. It's so let me browned. tell you what I found on my Thanksgiving research. Go on. Abraham Lincoln declared Thanksgiving a national holiday in 1861, and the first Canadian Thanksgiving was celebrated in 1879. So very close, very close, but America wins. Okay, then thank you for your research, Dave. Um, and I use sites, not Wikipedia, so they may they may actually be right. Well, that works for me. All right, so this is regular. Ooh, the Dave Letterman toss. That's, <laughs> that was classy. We are it's a classy. To, it's a Nate to Dave's. <laughs> <laughs> so regular old Thanksgiving by regular old Thanksgiving if the Flyers are in a playoff position, even if they're not, I think they're going to be hanging around the bubble. Gene, I know you had questions regarding stuff with the Flyers roster, right? Yeah, well, I mean, specifically, why did we have to make roster moves that resulted in, you know, a guy who was in, you know, last year was in the starting lineup, um, you know, is now not playing for the team anymore. Yep. So, so long. Farewell to Nicholas Abe Kubel. Nack. Nack. Um, who's made his way. What do they call him? I, have, I don't know what his nickname is. Probably, probably Nicholas or Nick or whatever. <laughs> Knacker. I don't know. Maybe, probably not. Abe. Abe. I have no idea. Aubie's I have no not, idea. Abe feels the right. Nick Knacker. The knickknacker. Maybe he's That's the knacker. Yeah, the hockey players just aren't that clever. They just aren't that clever. But um, what had happened was the Flyers were going to activate Kevin Hayes. And they did not have the, the cap space to do so without waiving a guy to send down to the AHL. The candidates to be waived were uh, Abe Kubel, Patrick Brown, and uh, McEwen. Here's the thing about Brown and McEwen. We pick them off up off the waiver wire. Always where you want to get your team. Um, but we pick <laughs> them up off the waiver wire. And if we wave them again, you better bet that Vancouver and um, Vegas? I forget who, uh, Brian, I think Vegas, were going to pick them up. Because they can pick them up off the waivers and send them down to the AHL. Whereas any other team in the league has to keep them with the big club for X amount of time or else this exact thing could happen to them. 
Abe Kubel, not the same. He he um, would have to be kept in the majors no matter what. And they just, they were okay with that risk. They thought it was the less of a risk. And he hasn't earned his spot on the, the squad this year. You know, they didn't wave like a, a second line player. They waved a, a fourth liner. And, you know, I had said in my brief stint with Locked on Flyers that, you know, I considered Abe Kubel a borderline NHLer. And that was seen as a bit extreme. But my position is he's been the guy knocking on the door for so long to take a fourth, you know, a fourth line role, maybe a third line. He just if had that kind right. of like gritty run um, two years ago. Uh, that like people kind of were like, oh, this guy may be something. It's very like TJ McConnell esque. Not nothing really. I mean, probably could have traded him or something at that point. Yeah, the we the the Flyers thought they're going to lose him to Seattle. They thought that Seattle would be pretty apt to pick him up. It, um, um, and then I think they ended up protecting him. I forget. I can't remember. God, it seems like forever ago. But I think they actually did end up protecting him. Yeah, he was tradable, but when you when you need the cap space, you gotta just take your chances. And I think they're okay with with losing him because I just don't think he had a home here. I think there are too many other good prospects, and what he was bringing was definitely a bottom six role. You know, I there was nothing in his play that indicated he was going to find time in the top six anytime soon, and you kind of don't want somebody's ceiling to be maybe a third liner it, when it comes to development it, he was a fine player he could have been a fourth liner who popped up to the third occasionally but it was a calculated risk and he's now with the avalanche and i think the avalanche are trying him on their top power play which is pretty remarkable so you know good luck for him and you know i've been happy with McEwen and brown you know, they're not great players, but they they play their roles well. You know, the fourth line has been a bit hard to play against. So they're not great. There's very little great with the Flyers now outside of goaltending, but there's a heck of a lot of good, which which I think is an important perspective to keep. And also I find it very reassuring that, you know, when they have a poor game against Dallas after a pretty great game against the Hurricanes. Um, that Carter Hart did the heavy lifting there, but the Flyers held the, the Hurricanes at bay, and the Hurricanes are uh, one of, if not the best team in the NHL. You know, it wasn't it was the Flyers. Too, right? The road, road game. Carter Hart got the road start that David, you know, had rightfully pointed out that, that A.B. was sheltering them. But he well, he we sh- weren't on last week when I w- would have had a real opportunity to crow about his uh, starting Jones against the Capitals. Yes, you you would have. Um, but it's he had a great performance against Carolina, mm-hmm. and um, Jones played well against Washington. Jones for a backup goalie sure. is has looked great. So there's you know the goaltending has been. I think we kind of own Washington anyway. We did for a while, and then it would. I think it was last. Last season. year was not. A yeah, great year. last year was just horrible for the Flyers. 
Aberration. I hope so. It looks more like an aberration than anything else. Um, now we're back to the norm where we own the Capitals, the Penguins own us. You know, it, it's a big old circle of owning. Yeah, you know, vaccines work. You know, things are you know making sense. Yes, indeed. I believe, we believe in science. We believe the Penguins own us, and we believe we own the Capitol. Okay. <laughs> I want that Gene, yard you're looking at me like with disgust. Is your camera frozen, or are you just that angry? With no, me? no, I, and I'm not angry. I, I, I do want to say that my take on the Flyers right now, and and much like what Sarah was saying, is there is a lot of good, but there's not a lot of great. And I guess my question is, um, outside <laughs> of the Flyers, what? Welcome to the Flyers the last yeah. 30 years. I was going to say, well, that's true. Uh, outside of the goaltending, is there anything, any piece that you think can make that leap from good to great? Is there somebody, I mean, sort of taking out like, you know, the the uh, Couturiers and Giroux too. Like it, we know that they are star players in the league and have star potential, but I'm more looking at like, what is this next, you know, are there flashes of the next generation outside of Carter Hart? Yes, there are. Um, But right now it's only flashes. I mean, Farabee has been good to find. Hot Um, start. A hot start. And then the whole team is cooled off and it's, that that's a mental thing as much as anything else, but it's, but Farabee, is a big part of the future. Sandheim had really struggled much of the season um, so far, but he has looked better lately, which is good. Um, Provorov has looked very good. Provorov has looked very good back to form. What Even though Lindblom? Ellis... What's what? Lindblom? Lindblom's in the booth tonight. Lindblom's a healthy scratch. He's got to watch? He does have to watch. I think he maybe has to rest. Looking for a little bit of a reset. He has not found his game Take some since. <laughs> now I think I think he just has to get back up to NHL speed, and I don't know if, if his body's still lagging behind. I mean, the man went through aggressive cancer treatment. So I mean, how long can you use that as an excuse? I know, right? Jeez, Louise. But um, I have faith in Lindblom. I, I think he's just such a smart hockey player. And and I think part of the problem is where he's being played in the lineup is because I think he's the kind of guy that you know can work with really good players and make them look great, and they, they can bring out the best of each other. And on the fourth line... He, he, I I don't think he has enough success to meld well with the the other sort of role players. You know, I think he really complements is a really steady hand with some more dynamic players, holds on the puck really well, distributes the puck really well, can score in the right opportunities. But lower in the lineup, on the fourth line, it's just not gelling for him, which is fine because right. not where we want him anyway, but it's, we can't send him to the AHL. He'd have to be on waivers. Um, and he'd be claimed. There's no way he can do yeah, it. So sure. it's got to be. So should AV move him up? Maybe. I don't know. It's like try him out on the second line for a little bit. I I wouldn't be opposed to it. Like to to just 
give them some weaker opponents, you know, go like, hey, move up in the lineup. Let's see what happens. Um, I don't know what the schedule looks like going forward, and I can't look on my phone because I'm watching the game on my phone. But um, it's not just the Flyers' division. I feel like the NHL on the whole, the teams have come back better. Maybe it's been that that weird year and a half, but for the most part, the the level of play, I feel like it's just at a higher level this year. There don't seem to be too many easy opponents. Yes, Dave. Well, it's, a, it's a real it's a real soft spot in the schedule because uh, next up we have the Lightning on Thursday, mm. the Bruins on Saturday, mm. the Lightning next Tuesday, and then a back to back against the Panthers. And Who's then we come the best home to team play in the that Hurricanes bunch? Next Friday. Sorry, the second best team in that bunch. Yep, it's a murderer's row. I knew <laughs> the, the yeah, I knew the short term. Lightning, Bruins, Lightning, Panthers, Hurricanes. How many wins in that in that stretch? All right. So what is that? Lightning, Bruins, Lightning, Panthers, Panthers, Hurricanes, or just Panthers? No, no, once. No. Lightning, Bruins, Lightning, then a back to back Panthers, and then come home against the Hurricanes. Gotcha. I I think the Flyers. Need to take two. Two, two, two and three in that run. Two, two, and one. Um, uh, okay, I'll take that. Yeah, I think two, two, and one would be really satisfying. I think they're a good enough team to go two and three. Um, if things click, they could, you know, win three of those five. It's not going to be easy, obviously. And, you know, um, those are all but one game out of our division. Yeah. You know, we yeah. we played the Leafs out of our division. Yeah. The the Stars have been struggling, but the Stars have a lot of good players. You know, they are a season and a I pandemic feel like we never out beat of the, the Stars. I feel like we never beat this. We never beat the Stars. I don't know. I just don't care enough when we play the <laughs> Stars. Like, I'm like, if it's the Stars, we play them, you know, once a year. And they're uniform Oh, especially that neon one. That's gross. I hate is it. it I are like, they like? Is the, well, I guess the Cowboys don't do this, but like, why is the, why are they like so like in lockstep with um, like the Mavericks with their like the green? I don't know. And do they share an arena? I mean, well, they it's the they went to the they've always been green. They went yeah, yeah, from Minnesota, Minnesota North Stars, right? Yeah, um, and when they, they went, went to Dallas. I feel like they were more like a black with green accent. You are correct. You are correct. Mm. Then they brought in the all green redesign a while ago now, maybe like 10 years, maybe probably less than that. Let's say like 12 years. I'm making that up. I said less than that. <laughs> Eight years. Eight years. Sorry. Um, um, and I really love their new green. The It's not new, but the green redesign, I really love for them. It's a, a unique look, but that, Black with the neon green stripes. I just hate it. It's just so ugly looking. But they played well against the Flyers when they needed to. So it's... I I, I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses for the Flyers because there's a lot of reasons to be concerned. Number one is the division. But they have hung with really good teams. They have beat really good teams to, to be... You know, in the low 600 winning percentage, we're going to have to get that up to like 650. 
interesting. After, but... after December 5th, we are done with the Lightning. Nice. Nice. And the, the Lightning have not been dominant so far. I mean, they're still good. They're the back-to-back -back Stanley Cup champs, but they've not yeah. been lights-out dominant. So get them out of the way. But, I feel like yeah. that whole thing was eventually going to catch up to that team because they were not a young team to begin with. No, they're not a young team. They had a lot of players on favorable contracts. They had um, a Kucherov stowed away with injury all year, so they exceeded the cap um, once the playoffs started. Um, so, yeah, real quick, talking about that, we just have to touch on Ryan Ellis. Ryan Ellis is... Uh, going on LTIR. So he's going to be out until like December 10th, 8th or 10th, I believe. Yeah, yeah that's not encouraging. Um, they're being this really quiet. Apply, right? I don't know. I I don't know. I, I don't... It's not related to... It's not related, hypothetically, I'm doing air quotes, um, to previous injuries. But... I don't know. He's not that big of a guy, but he plays a big game. Is he just wearing down? Um, but last season, apparently, he had a busted knuckle and a fluke accident. But now we're not far into this season. He's I'm sorry, played... he broke his knuckle in a flute accident? Fluke. fluke. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, he was really loaded listening to Jethro Tall, and you know what happens. Rock it out on the... Uh... Um, the magic yes. flute. Yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> too many jokes to be made, but it's <laughs> it's concerning. It's definitely concerning because he was probably our number one audition addition uh, of the off season, and I, I do think he's brought stability to the defense. I don't know how he does that not being on the ice, but the defense does seem just calmer. Like I said, Provorov has really moved into that role he has when he's not the guy. Um, and if the team can continue their strong defensive play and add him in later in the season, then that might be fine if he can come back and stay healthy. But they're talking to doctors. They're getting multiple opinions about potential surgery. That's never good. So it's... It's concerning. It's definitely concerning. Um, if yeah. it is major, well, then we can stash him on long-term injury reserve and use the cap space to add somebody else. But that is the real, the real dark cloud right now hanging over the Flyers' season. Is like, hey, this guy brought in to stabilize the defense has really not been here. And how much better could this team be with him in the lineup? And the answer is, I think a lot. But unfortunately, we just haven't seen it very much. Is it as extreme as like the Andrew Bynum situation that the Sixers had? That's like, what I was it, actually. Is it a good? Is it a good equate? Yeah, like, Andrew Bynum. Why the hell are both like... of you doing this to me? Why the hell are both of you going like Sarah? Now you're describing this, and it sounds like Andrew Bynum. We're like, hey, now this sounds like this Sixers player. Is that is that a good comparison? Like, like the hell I know. <laughs> Did, did, did he go bowling when he wasn't supposed to? That is the real question. I don't know if it was a bowling-related injury. 
You tell me if it's a good analogy, okay? <laughs> I, it's, it's a good, a it's a decent analogy. analogy. It's, it's hard because analogy. there's only five guys on the Sixers, you know, on the five guys play at a time, but you know, bigger rosters but, on hockey teams. True. Thank you for clarifying the, the, the basketball roster for me. Now, five guys play at a time, Sarah. There's no award <laughs> called six man well, of the year. Well, there are six for hockey. There are. Not a lot of people count the goalie. People forget. <laughs> Dave's one of those people that doesn't count the goalie. Well, I no, like it didn't... when the goalie's not there. I, I like I like a <laughs> that's pulled, true. I like a pulled goalie. You do. I like a good. You goalie. do. All right. Any last thoughts on the Flyers from you guys? We're winning now. No, we're not. It's still it's still one. Yeah, you got me all excited. I looked at um, the wrong uh, the wrong score. Yep, one one. But hey, the the Flames are a really good team. Like yeah. that's the the Flames. Here's the last thought I'll leave you with. The Flames have reminded me a lot of the Flyers over the years. Um, they're just kind of hanging around. I think they've actually had a little more playoffs. Eh, no, it's about the same. You know, they hang around. One year they're in the playoffs. One year they're not. People say they're done, and they come out to the strong start that they did this year. Other times people go, you know, Calgary is my sleeper team to win the division, and they stink. So Calgary is pretty comparable to Philly in that they're just hanging around and there's enough pieces that they could be really good if things come together correctly, but that's a big F. Um, but I think take that as a good sign that the, the Flyers are going toe-to-toe with a really good Calgary team. You know, the Flyers have held their own with pretty much everybody, and that's, that's a huge change from last year. It's a huge change from last year. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's probably a good good place for us to to wrap it up tonight. Um, Did I miss the conversation about Mike Schmidt announcing the? No, I was just going to say like MVP? real quick. Make sure you watch Thursday at six o'clock for the uh, the MVP announcement. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Bryce Bryce has won everything so far. I mean, he's won the the Players Choice Most Valuable Player, whatever whatever that award's called. He's won the Silver Slugger. He's won the Hank Aaron Award, and now you know we know that Mike Schmidt's going to present the NL MVP. I mean, it's just kind of it'd be kind of weird if he didn't win it at this point. It's like my only other thought Mike is like, Schmidt handing Juan Soto the trophy. It's just weird. Yeah, there's not a third baseman that's out there that could possibly be winning it, right? No. I mean, it's just the it's just the three. Of, or, well, there's, uh, yeah, it's just the three of them, right? Harper, Soto, and Tatis. Right. That would. I mean, if there's somebody else, I don't know who they are. It would be bizarre. I mean, I got. Well, why would you ask Mike Schmidt to do it if if Bryce isn't winning it? Especially I mean, he's won everything leading up to it. It's also kind of like it would be super bizarre if, if him winning all those others other awards to not win. The, I don't know. Tonight. Weird, stranger things have happened. I, 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 so, I mean, is there any? Does that give you any sort of feeling like we have the MVP going into next year? Gives me does a feeling it, in my it, wallet. Do you, do you catch a vibe? <laughs> well, it's nice that it's nice to have the MVP on your team. I mean, it's a little bit of a validation, right? Like when he goes to every stadium and they chant "overrated." Well, I mean, I only won the MVP. What else do you want him to do? I mean, yeah, and it'll be his second, but now he's got one for us. Right. And it's more, I like it because it's more cementing. It's more like ripping him away from that, like, Nationals 
affiliation and cementing him a little bit more with Phillies. Because ultimately, when this is all said and done, he's going to be known as a Philly. I mean, when this, you know, when his career's over and he's being inducted into the Hall of Fame, you know. Especially if we now, if he gets it, if he gets an MVP here, and if we could get him a ring. Well, he doesn't have a ring anywhere else. So I mean, it's not like that's. Yes, that would definitely put put it as a lock. But and then maybe we would put him on the Wall of Fame. <laughs> he's definitely going on the Wall of Fame. And and that's do, a no are, are there is there any talk of Wheeler? Are we gonna? Is there a possibility that we get the 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 Cy Young and the MVP? Is that is that a, a real possibility? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the, the like. It, it wasn't favorable uh, when you were looking at like the betting odds towards the end of the season. It looked like it was Scherzer's, uh, but you know, I, like I said, I don't know. Like weirder things have happened. Did the Phillies ever do that? Was there a year that Carlton and Schmidt did the double? Did Maybe. they do that in eighty? To look that up. Yeah, look that up, Gene. Let me know. You gonna do that right now? So I'll give my thoughts on that real quick. Okay. I was going to do the wrap up and then like have Gene kind of tag it, tag it as a oh. coda at the end there. But go ahead, yeah, yeah. Well, no, that would have been clever. Uh, no, my Martin my... did win the Cy Young in eighty. Okay. So do it now, Gene. Is what you're going to do? <laughs> Sarah, go ahead. I like it. Uh, <laughs> I like Bryce Harper winning MVP. Um, just, just to he deserves it. And, you know, the, the sport is not about individual awards. He will say that when he gives his, you know, acceptance speech. But he deserves it. And I feel like in baseball, those individual awards, those postseason awards, really mean a lot. It goes along with the history of the game. You know, the fact that he can, you know, be the the MVP and have that trophy, have it on his resume to to like you say, shut up the people that say he's overrated. You know, did Shine go, hey, you might have missed it because the Phillies were kind of mediocre most season, mm-hmm. but Bryce Harper still is really good. So it it, it it provides me with some satisfaction. You know, a lot there's a lot of frustration left over from that Phillies season. Harper winning MVP, it, it would go a long way to solving that. Gene, your results of your investigation? The MVP award was won by Mike Schmidt. The Cy Young was won by Steve Carlton the, in 1980. The double, so double. have, in their past, had the Cy Young winner and MVP come from the Phillies. Of course, they also won the important prize that year. Yeah, I kind of um, – there's that famous picture with, like, Mike Schmidt with, like, the bat on fire and mm-hmm. Steve Carlton holding, like, the ball on fire. I, I figured that was from when they – they did the double double. So that would be a fun thing to recreate. It's not could, like commonly known as the double double. Just yeah, but we'll I don't think we're always gonna win. So you know. Nice to nice to be nominated though. It it is a shame though that they, you know, with team with a Cy Young candidate and a MVP finalist don't make the postseason. But you know, sometimes when you're feeling bad, you just gotta Look to your neighbors to the north and look at the Blue Jays because they had uh, Vlad and uh, um, what's his name? Simeon, our MVP finalist with uh, 
I forget his name. But they, but they also had a, uh, a side But they didn't make playoffs either. They didn't make playoffs. They play in a tough division too. All right, that's all the time we have for today. We'll be back next Tuesday where we get to hopefully celebrate uh, the greatness of Bryce Harper. We'll be talking Eagles. Who the Eagles have this week? Oh, Saints. New Eagles, Orleans. Saints. What? New Orleans. Nolens. 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 Um, and uh, Flyers tough week coming up, so we'll talk about their weekend. And uh, maybe we get some Sixers that don't have COVID can come uh, play basketball for us. Uh, that would be nice to see, too. So if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, check us out on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Podadelphia. Also, if you have any time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the Whip Around uh, for all the week's weird news. Also, uh, check out the Painted Lines on YouTube and Facebook for your wall-to-wall Philly sports coverage. Also, check out the Philly Sports Alliance on Facebook for yet even more Philly sports coverage um, until we, until we dance again, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here.